This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So we've got some great things to talk about this week and um, also I have a guest producer just like last week. It's uh, George Sofitas. Hey, George. Hey, Todd. How are you doing? Good, thanks. You know what? Uh, We had a great show last week. I'm glad you're back. And, uh, you know, definitely it's always fun to work with professionals. So, uh, you know what? We're going to be talking a lot about real estate this week, of course, right here on Simply Real Estate. And, um, George, you know what? There's always some hot topics. One of them, of course, is guess what time of year it is? It's time to list, isn't it? So it's the spring season. So guess what, folks? Um, A lot of times when we are talking about real estate, people want to know what it is like to list their home. And for me, I always want to break it down to the simplest form. And when you take a look at the idea of putting your house on the market for sale, you have to get your home ready. And again, you know, we've always talked about, do you stage it? And by the way, um, of course, I had Colin and Justin on the other week from HGTV. Awesome, awesome guests. And they, uh, they're great. They, uh, they do total cabin makeovers and it's really cool. But great guys, great advice. And when we talk about homes getting them ready, we always talk about decluttering. But Let's talk about the legality aspect of things, about putting it into the MLS market. How do you get there? Well, first of all, first and foremost, you should probably interview, let's say, two or three agents, definitely a referral, but take a look around the neighborhood. Who is selling all of your homes in the area? Do you see a constant sign? Well, that's probably a good starting point. You know, forget about, uh, you know, sitting there saying, well, they, they have all the business. Maybe we should give somebody a chance, you know, an up-and-comer. Come on, folks. This is the most expensive asset you normally will have. This is the one that you want to get the best return on. So what I need you to focus on right now is what do you do when interviewing an agent? And I'm pretty sure a lot of the agents out there are probably shuddering, kind of going, okay, what's he going to say? Well, here's, here's the thing. When you interview an agent and they pull out an MLS listing agreement, okay, so this is the contract you sign to give permission to the brokerage to put your home on the market, you need to know what it is that you're signing. First and foremost, most people will turn around and they go right to the commissions. And I would have to say this is the first mistake you make. Before you get down the road of commissions and before you get down the road of price, you have to know how long you are giving an agent to list your home. So the real question is, is what is the shortest amount of time you can sign a contract? Well, right now, Toronto Real Estate Board, you know, on uh, ARIA and Korea, most of them are saying 60 days bare minimum. You need to be able to sign your listing for 60 days, give somebody an opportunity to list their home and have an opportunity to sell it. Now, so let's go to a bare minimum. And I'm going to tell you that I think that you should only sign for 60 days, no longer, because you don't want to miss an entire market. Now, the next part of this, of course, is the ability to cancel the listing. A lot of agents will turn around and say, yeah, I have no problem taking it off the market. But the real important thing is, can you actually go with another agent. So if they suspend your listing agreement, you cannot go with another agent. You have to be stuck in for the duration, the 60 days. So more importantly, you want it terminated, 
canceled. Get rid of it. Doesn't exist. If for some reason you have a falling out with the agent and you do not see them completing the deal that you had wanted them to do, in other words, they're not doing their job, then cancel the listing. This whole bit about, oh, I'll take it off the market, you're stuck, okay? You cannot go anywhere else until technically it ends. Cancel it. Now, the other reason why you're canceling it is when you turn around and list with another agent, there is a holdover clause that's put into the offer. If that agent has brought an offer to you, and then let's say the, the listing expires, if that person comes back and tries to go to a private deal with you, guess what? You still owe the agent the money. And this is the tough part. A lot of people turn around and they get these people that walk up to them and say, hey, I understand your listing's going to expire next week. What if I come back the week after and we do a deal and forget about the agent? Guess what? The agent can come back and sue you for his commissions. Can you believe that, George? You know what? You didn't do your job in the first place, and then they turn around and get paid in the end. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, you got to be careful on who you pick the first time. You got it, and that's some great advice. Make sure you pick right the first time. So now what we've done is we've figured out, okay, can we cancel this listing? How long is it going to last? Remember, termination is not the same as suspending or just taking it simply off the market. You want it canceled, get rid of it. Clear, clean slate, start fresh if you get into that trouble. Now, a lot of you are probably sitting there saying, hey, Todd, what do you mean? Every house sells in multiple offers. I listen to, uh, the, listen to you all the time saying the market's doing really well. But that's not every home. You know what? There are so many homes out there that there's a lot of homes that are not selling. You know, they overshot the market, wrong price, you know, not great marketing, not great exposure, maybe not even written up properly. And this is so important. So I'll get to the description in a second, but let's backtrack a little. Let's talk about price because price is going to be the most important thing. There was a uh, there was an actual a, uh, a census out there trying to figure out is it better to underprice your house or overprice your house, meaning like bring it up, push the value. So if somebody's selling, you know, if the last house in your neighborhood sold for $1.1 million, does that mean maybe you should list it for $1.2, hoping to get $1.2? Or should you list it for $800 to get multiple offers? George, what do you think? I think you should do it higher. I would shoot high. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, folks. So what do you think? Um, Do you think you should shoot higher? So, George, the one thing I would give people advice is if it was selling in around $1.1 million, if you're looking for multiple offers, a lot of agents right now are using the rule of thumb, drop it by about 20% below market to create a buying frenzy. So this is where you're going to get that multiple offer scenario. But you got to be careful because the one thing you have to do is you have to make sure the agent's covering you. So you're going to write a disclosure into the listing that says you will not entertain offers for a minimum of seven days. So this allows everybody to show up, take a look at the property. Everybody gets really excited about it. And then you are only willing to look at offers by this date. So you're setting a date. Everybody shows up. And this is where the feeding frenzy goes. But here's the thing. Can you get more by listing it up a little bit higher? Okay, so maybe there is that buyer that sits there and says, hey, listen, 1.1, that one's listed for 1.2, maybe I should pay 1.2. So George's theory of going maybe a little bit higher does make some sense. But here's the real answer to the question. If there is more than one property in the neighborhood for sale that is like yours, go lower. 
If you are the only game in town, you can go a little bit higher if you are going to be satisfied with 1.2. So in other words, if you truly want to, you know, tear off a new price, sometimes you have to go lower to get it. But if you have no competition and you would be happy if somebody brings you an offer for 1.2, then put it there. So that's the best way of looking at it. Analyze the neighborhood. And guess what? That's what your realtor is supposed to do. And if they're a professional and they've got lots of experience in the neighborhood, they're going to be able to tell you exactly that. So focusing on what's in that neighborhood right now today is really what's important. Obviously, past sales will set the mark. So now we've got the basic idea of what we're going to do with the price. What about commissions? You know, it was kind of funny because a few weeks ago, I put out that question to all of you and I said, are realtors worth their commissions? And George, just so you know, phones lit up like crazy, two hours straight, not one line was was left untouched. And we probably feel about 25 to 30 calls of our listeners. And guess what, folks? Do you know what? It was almost a 50-50. Almost 50% of you said that they thought the realtors were worth their commissions. And of course, there were the others that sat there and said, they're not worth a dime. And you know what? I would agree. I have to agree that there's a lot of realtors out there that are not worth the money. And everybody knows I'm going to take a stance on this because I believe if you hire a full-time professional agent that lives and breathes this, and if they turn around and say they only work 40 hours a week, they're not a full-time professional agent. You know what? The real guys, the guys that are doing this, the guys you need to hire are doing this full-time and they're probably probably putting in 60, 70, 80 hours. I remember when in my heyday, I was putting in 80 to 100 hours a week. Unfortunately, it's not great for a marriage and bye-bye. So that's what ends up happening. But other than that, if you want a full-time realtor working for you, make sure you pick the guy that's going to do the work or the woman, sorry. Got to be general neutral here, of course. And actually, when you take a look at real estate, every walk of life is actually working in real estate and you have to make a decision who it is that you want to pick. Now, commissions though. Back to that. That that is that age-old question. What should you pay? Well, right now, agents typically will not show your house unless they are offered 2.5% to show your house. So that part we know. So when you hear agents talk about 5%, it's not 5% going to the listing agent. It's 2.5% going to the listing agent. I'm going to tell you that I believe that there are a lot of agents out there worth 2.5%. And I would believe, like to tell you that there's only, you know, there's a bigger number that are worth way less. Okay. When you hire a listing agent, make sure you check their background, make sure you know what they do for you. You want marketing, you want brochures, you want internet exposure, you want a big shiny sign on your lawn so people know you're for sale. Believe it or not, folks, don't sit there and be a silent seller. Get that sign out there because the most important thing is people drive neighborhoods they want to live in. And if they drive by, see your house for sale, they are going to buy it or call their agent to get you through. So keep that in mind. I agree with full commission agents. I believe they are worth it, but you get what you pay for. And if somebody turns around and cuts their commission, then you know what you're going to get in the, in the end result. Hey, listen. One of the things that we've got to talk about uh, coming up after the break will be the um, government, the provincial government, is going to be mandating some rules and regulations for the home inspection industry. And uh, I'm going to have a special guest with me, uh, Michael Newman, and he's going to be joining me from Bernie Electric. We are going to be talking about the electricity running through your home. Is it safe? 
So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Just before the break, I had mentioned the fact that the provincial government plans on introducing legislation aimed at regulating the home inspection industry. You know, uh, a few weeks back, I had a uh, a professional home inspector on. We were talking about, you know, rules and regulations. And, you know, we should be regulating the home inspection industry. The people that you hire, they need to be professionals. You know, I'm a big fan of engineers. People had to have total experience in something like this. And so the one thing that people need to really be concerned about when buying a home of course, is the the electrical layout of a home, and is it safe? So I'm really fortunate to have Michael Newman from Bernie Electric joining me today, and welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you very much, Todd. Pleasure to be here. So, Michael, maybe you can tell me exactly, um, you know, what an electrical solution safety person does, or and, and a little bit about your background, if you could. Sure, absolutely. So I'm a specialist with Bernie Electric. My area of expertise is in electrical safety. I do a lot of the initial assessments that identify potential hazards, and we try and educate homeowners, and we work closely with the fire department. And you're bang on. One of the big caveats to look at today is the electrical when buying a home or uh, even looking at uh, potentially moving into a new home. So, Michael, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, you know, with News Talk 1010 uh, out in the world there, you know, we, we see a lot of real estate trading hands. And over last year, we saw over 100,000 sales in the GTA area. And so this means there's going to be a whole lot of home inspections done. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to pick on the home inspectors just for a minute. You know, should people have the ultimate faith in home inspectors to be able to judge the, the, the electrical, you know, are, are they compliant? Has it been done safely? Is it correct? Or is it better for somebody to actually call someone like yourselves at Bernie Electric and actually have a inspection done on its own? So that's a phenomenal question. I'm sure a lot of your listeners come with this dilemma on a, whenever they're interested in, in purchasing a home. Not to trounce on, on home inspectors, but they're not electricians. They're not certified plumbers. They're not tradespeople. And uh, they do give a basic overview of the home, but they can't speak to the electrical system. It takes us an entire day with a lot of high-tech equipment that we use that allows us to detect potential hazards that are actually hidden in homes and not visible to the layman on what can possibly happen with those hazards. They should definitely be looking at an expert in electrical safety when they consider the condition of the electrical. Again, Michael, I guess I guess a lot of times when we look at properties, there's also the age factor where, you know, depending on when the home was built, you know, if it's a two or three year old and they haven't done any renovation or for that matter, put in a, a, you know, renovate a basement or, you know, built inside the basement, then pretty much all of that, I would imagine, should be to code because those properties are all inspected prior to giving them occupancy permit. Would that be correct? Well, so yes, but there's several things to look at here, Todd. When you're looking at a home like that, there's a couple things that come into play. Number one, you inherit everything that whoever owned that home before you has done. 
And we see a lot of issues with the do-it-yourself industry, the so-called everyone knows a brother-in-law or a cousin or someone who knows a little bit about electrical. And a lot of times the situations that they've created in these homes come back to haunt a future homeowners. With age, yes, everything degrades mechanical systems, just like electrical systems, age and deteriorate but also what's happened over the years. Who's worked on that home? And what have they done over the years? If we're looking at new homes, though, like I, I'm talking, because there's a lot of homes just on the outskirts into the suburbs, sure. you know, that are, you know, two or three years old. You know, they've got breaker boxes. Most of the panels are, are you know, obviously brand new because the home, home's not that old. Most people should not have any concerns unless there's been something done. Is that correct? Not to complicate your question. It, but it's yes kind of a loaded no. question, I know, because we, we, can't, we can't give an absolute, obviously. I'll tell you why. With newer homes, the, issue that, the only usual issue that we have is the builder. Right. Uh, what shortcuts did they take, if any? And there are several shortcuts that you can take on the electrical side, which can potentially, down the road, cause you some hazards and potentially even a fire. One is the way the outlets are installed. And to get a little technical here, there's a process called, that a lot of builders use, which is really not preferred, called backstabbing, where they push the connection at the back of the outlet rather than around the screw. And this builds up a higher resistance to the path of electricity, thus creating a lot more heat. And potentially down the road, if you've got enough load into that outlet, create a fire. So it's one thing that, you know, we, we kind of hope that the builders haven't done this, but we see this in a lot of brand new homes. A quick and easy way to make collect, uh, an electrical connection work. Okay, so in that case, when you go in to do an inspection on something like this, do you actually take go to all the wall uh, sockets and actually take them out to view how they're installed? Is that what, is that what you guys do, or...? So the beauty of our service, Todd, is that we don't have to take anything apart. All of our high-tech equipment can actually detect how these things were done without taking anything apart. And if we see backstab connections or other less-than-amicable situations in a home, we recommend that they be altered in a better way. When homeowners uh, take us up on that, we actually give them a certification that their home's an electrically safe home. I'm going to cut you off for a second because we're going to go to a quick break, but I want you to hold that thought. And then also when we return, we're going to talk about, obviously, the electrical panel. So, folks, I've got Michael Newman from Bernie Electric, and we are talking safety with electricity in your home and what you should be looking for. So stay with us. We will be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest here today is Michael Newman from Bernie Electric. And uh, we're talking about safety in your home and looking at your electrical 
throughout the home. We talked about uh, home inspectors, how, you know what, it's probably better to actually hire a professional in the electrical industry to be able to give you a good safety inspection. And Michael, just before the break, you and I were talking about that. And of course, there's all sorts of different things that happen. And, you know, I was kind of posing the question to you that, you know, brand new homes, oh, they should be safe. But yet there are a few things that people have to be leery of, even with brand new homes. Yes, so there are. And just recently in the news, there was a really unfortunate incident with someone who had hired a company to install a heated floor in their bathroom. And unfortunately, the proper protocol wasn't taken out. A permit wasn't applied for. It was done incorrectly. What happened here, unfortunately, is this resulted in a fatality. And it's in the course right now, so I can't really speak too much about it. But when you're hiring someone to do anything electrical in your work, in your home, it's so important to have someone who's licensed and someone who's going to take out a, a, a permit so that that work is done properly and that your home is safe. So I guess the idea of uh, having your friend's cousin's brother come over with uh, and offer him pizza and a beer is probably not the best way to rewire a home. Is that what you're telling me? Well, we all know somebody, whether it's Uncle Joe or uh, your best friend or your good neighbor yeah, I, uh, who knows a little bit about electricity, and that could be sometimes just enough to get you in an electricity enough trouble. Yeah, shocking. I get it. So, okay. So, so let's go down the road of something that obviously a lot of our listeners are going to face when buying resale here in Toronto. Uh, first thing is electrical panels. You know, there are still lots of panels out there that have fuses. Are they still deemed safe? A fuse panel is old technology. That's the main impetus when we're talking about fuse panels. And with the newer breaker panels and some of the technology that we can put on breaker panels, we can increase the level of safety in a home by several folds. While it still works and potentially or shouldn't really have anything wrong with it, it's highly recommended that people upgrade to a breaker system just because of the level of safety that we can add to that electrical panel. We can put surge protection on it. We can actually put the ground fault circuit interrupters that are required near water right at the panel. And we can even do arc fault types of breakers, which help against any type of fire or heat and everything trips right at the breaker. The other issue that we see with fuse panels is sometimes when there's a buildup of heat, the fuse actually gets fused in an on position and won't blow or pop if the circuit is overloaded. So and with a breaker panel, it's the, the switch just uh, it, pops and, and yeah, it naturally pops. So, so what you're saying is, for those people that are still on a fuse system, the idea of wrapping it in aluminum is probably not a good idea. Because if you're, <laughs> I, I, I can I can remember going into some homes, and just so you know, I'd look at the fuse panel, and sure enough, some people would put tin foil. And they would they would wrap the fuses because they said, well, my fuse keeps popping, so I figured yeah. if I just put some tin foil on it, it won't. <laughs> or a penny, right? Or a penny, so, yes. You, know, you, you get a great conductor of electricity, <laughs> and now the only now the only need for the fuse is to hold the tin hold foil the penny, or in, the place. penny in place. <laughs> you right? got it exactly. These are dangerous anomalies uh, that people do, and uh, people do get. Uh, little bits of shocks and sometimes a little bit more than a little bit uh, when they're doing this kind of thing. And uh, although not only unpleasant, electrical shocks, as small as they are, 
can disturb the rhythm of your heartbeat and potentially down the road cause you some health issues. So, wow. So not then, a good idea. So then, of course, because we, uh, you know, obviously in the GTA area, we had a lot of houses built back in the 70s, you know, late 60s, early 70s, and we saw a lot of aluminum wiring being used. Uh, what should we caution our listeners about aluminum wiring? Um, can it be made safe? Should it be removed? What What is your take on that? Okay, so let me just come out and quickly tell you that there is absolutely nothing wrong with aluminum wiring. We even use it in the industrial capacity. However, it does need maintenance. Uh, It oxidizes, and it's much more brittle than copper. But the only real concern we have are at the connection point. So it's never necessary or recommended that someone needs to rewire a home with aluminum wiring. There are some techniques that we use uh, to alter the aluminum wiring to make it safe in people's homes. So when people are are dealing with it, because one of the things I know is that, you know, if they're going to be putting in, let's say, uh, an electrical outlet, but it's meant for copper wiring, if they just simply attach the aluminum wiring to it, this is where you can create a fault. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So you can... You can have uh, incompatible devices, and a lot of the co- uh, a lot of the uh, Decora devices are incompatible with aluminum wiring, which are so popular today. Um, but there's a maintenance called pigtailing, and we, if you switch the devices to Kolar devices, you can make your home just as safe as a home with copper wiring. The reason we went into aluminum wiring is, you know, that time frame that you were talking about, the price of copper skyrocketed. So we just went to aluminum, it being a good conductor of electricity, but we found out later that it does have some issues. But like I say, today if we do some basic maintenance to the aluminum, there's no need to rewire a home or render it unsafe. So one of the, one of the comments, though, would be that um, insurance companies are very cautious about putting home insurance on a home with aluminum wiring. So do they need an inspection, let's say, from a company like yours to certify that it is safe? Will that uh, enable people to get proper home insurance? Because I know people do struggle with that because of the aluminum wiring. Today, a lot of homeowners are getting letters from their insurance company we had some clients, and you'll get blown away by this. The lady was 102. The husband was 96, and they were in phenomenal shape. But they lived in that home for 65 years with aluminum wiring and recently received a letter requiring a certificate saying that the home is safe. So, of course, we provide those types of certificates, and this satisfies the insurance need and it satisfies their peace of mind as well. So I'm just going to put this out there then, probably, Michael, is the best thing for our listeners to know, is that to be able to reach out to a company like yours, if you know you've got aluminum wiring upon inspection, you know, it's always good to have this in their back pocket, because especially if they're brand new buyers. Now, I do know that a website for people to go to is www.ismyhomesafe.ca, and now your company does offer the ability to give people inspections, is that right? We normally have a three-step process. When people call us, we share with them what their issues are or what they're facing, and we offer about a 30 to 45-minute no-cost assessment where someone from our organization will come out and gauge whether inspection is really necessary. If it's deemed necessary, then 
we spend a day in that person's house. That's the second phase of our process. We charge for that, of course, but that's where we bring all our uh, high-tech equipment and check every outlet, every switch, the panel. We give them a detailed synopsis of what's safe and what's not, if anything, and then they can choose to alter that and we make the home safe. Excellent. Well, listen, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you here on uh, Simply Real Estate. I greatly appreciate your time. And again, your website is ismyhomesafe.ca. Is that correct? That's correct, Todd. It was a pleasure being on your show. Thanks for Excellent. Me. Thanks so much, Michael Newman uh, from Bernie Electric. Folks, um, you know what? Always keep this kind of stuff in mind. Having a guest like uh, Michael, he is a professional. He does give safety solutions. So stay with us. Coming up after the break, we are going to be joined by Dave Butler, and we're going to be talking about the market and some interest rates. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. Hey, listen, I appreciate Michael Newman coming on. Folks, whenever you buy a home, you want to make sure you are buying something safe for you and your family and not buying somebody else's headache. So, yeah, you know what? I might joke about the idea of bringing your buddies in and having them do some electrical wiring. You know, you pay, you know pizza and beer for it. But at the end of the day, safety is the most important thing. And this is the one thing that, you know what, even I as a contractor know, no matter what, I always hire a licensed electrician to play with that stuff because it gets pretty dangerous if you don't. So very important for safety. Hey, by the way, if you didn't know, um, coming up uh, Wednesday, April 27th is the next Simple Seminar. And um, some great things at the last one, but just so you know, this uh, on the 27th, right around that time frame, we are announcing the exact location of our next release. It's a new project. I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear about it and being able to buy investment real estate. So sure enough, April 27th, if you want to attend, you will find out everything you need to know. And for those of you that already did come to the Simple Seminar in March, we will be releasing all the information out to you via email. And if you need to sign up, go to thesimpleinvestor.com to find out more. And yep, we've got something very special coming out. And if, you, uh, if you've if you listened to me for the last little while, you know I'm not a huge fan of RSPs. I think that it's just, you know, what's an RSP? My, my take on it is it's just deferred taxes or deferred income and the government will eventually get you. Well, sure enough, we decided that we've got to figure out a better solution for people with their RRSPs, and we have now created something that we call the Simple RRSP um, program, which is actually going to allow you to utilize it in a second mortgage product with an 8% return. We'll be giving out information on that as well. Your RRSPs can actually be used in a mortgage scenario, giving you a 8% mortgage return on it. So it's registered through your RSP. So if you've got them, we've got something new that's going to be coming out at the end of April. And it's a really good product. And one of the reasons why is because our investors have been asking for it. But, you know, speaking of interest rates, you know, this is one of those things that typically, you know, we like to uh, have people, you know, understand rates, how do you get them, what they should be. And I figured that I may as well talk to um, my producer, George, today, and we're going to talk about rates. And George, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, you can actually negotiate with the bank. 
And so if you look at that rate, you know, if you were if you were to picture a rate because you hear the news, what do you think a good rate is today? About 3% five-year fixed mortgage. Right. And just so you know, you can actually negotiate with some of the lenders as well as some of the brokerages out there. And people are getting 2.6, 2.7% five-year fixed rates. What do you think? Not bad? I, I didn't know you can negotiate. Yeah, you can. And this is the thing, because a lot of times, and especially when you move to another lender. So here's the trick. If you're with a bank and you're not, you know, or a lender, I won't pick on the banks, although I'd like to pick on the banks because, you know, they make, you know, wah, we only made $6 billion last year. Um, so when they turn around and say, we're not making enough money. Okay. Yeah. My heart bleeds for you. So at the end of the day, though, you can actually turn around and put the banks against each other. So if you go to one lender and they say, hey, listen, we'll give you 3%, uh, go shop it down the street at another one. And I don't know if you know that, but you can actually negotiate your rate. I, I bet you I'm not the only one who's surprised to hear this. Yeah, and, and this is the thing. For me, I, I, you know, I learned it years and years and years ago. And one of the things that I realized that they have a little bit of wiggle room. You know, there's things that can be included. You know, there's certain setup fees or, for that matter, even the appraisal. Did you know that when you want a mortgage, a lot of the lenders will charge you for the appraisal on the home as well? Did not know that. Right. So now all of a sudden we're 400 bucks later, you know, for an appraiser to go do it. And that's out of your pocket. And then if they don't give you the exact rate you want, um, you don't always get a copy of that appraisal, by the way. The bank hangs on to it. So it's not like you can turn around and say, give me the copy. I'm taking it somewhere else because it's actually done for the bank. Okay, or that lender. So you could actually, if you don't agree with the lender, you got to go somewhere else and get it done all over again. That sucks. Big time. Some big time. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things uh, that we like to talk about, obviously, at Simply Real Estate here is investment real estate. And George actually brought up a really good question a minute ago to me. And he said, hey, look, Todd, I get that, you know, the simple investor, you know, can provide the whole the idea of getting the tenant, the right tenant, and everything else. But what if somebody's just doing it on their own, right, George? I mean, you know, it, it's tough out there. Yeah, I, I've got a three-bedroom condo. I'm one person. I've always thought, how could I find somebody to rent it out to? Well, you know, that's a really good thing. So what you're doing is you're looking for a joint tenancy so you can actually rent out a room. So a lot of people will go down the road of going to Kijiji, for instance. You know, they put it out there. Now, the one thing, though, and this is really hard, and for somebody like yourself, if you've got your own three-bedroom condo, now somebody's going to invade your space, your lifestyle. So, you know, if you're a bit of a, a night hawk because, you know, you're working, you know, barb show late at night or whatever, you come home, maybe they're not out and they're on a different shift. So you have to remember, folks, that if you ever bring in a tenant into your own existing residence, they're going to have to share a lifestyle with you. And, you know, I mean, I think that half the divorces are out there because most people didn't live together in the first place. So you have to realize that they have rights to the house too. So George, can you imagine that you've got somebody that is either, you know, a real slob or they're a neat freak and they're telling you, you know, you know, you left a dish here or a crumb there. I mean, is it, you want to do that or is it better just to, you know, you know, get a family member? And, and that's the fine balance. You want to make some money off of a, a big space that you don't use, but you also don't want to comfort, you don't want to ruin your comfortable living. Yeah. And, and folks, so one of the things that just so you know, if you, let's say, want to do a home 
you, you own a home, but you can do a basement apartment, because this is very common here in the city. First and foremost, make sure it's safe. You got to make sure you get the fire inspector to make sure it's safe. So you need your areas of egress. You got to make sure that you've got fire retardant drywall around the furnace area. You've got to make sure that it's dry, it's vented. You've got to make sure that it has, again, the egress is the idea of two separate entrances, not just a door going up a staircase, but you've got to have a window that you can get escape. And it's not just the little tiny ones, okay? You've got to have a full body window so people can, so an entire body can get out without being limited. So in other words, it can't be that you're struggling to get out. Now, the idea though is for a lot of people is, you know, fine, I'm going to rent out my basement apartment, but then, you know, my tenant makes a lot of noise. So this is where you want to make sure you've got some sound insulation in the floor when you do the basement. And then you've got to set it up like a legitimate lease. So where do you find leases? Well, you can go to the landlord tenant board when you go online. You can also just go online and say, you know, I I need a lease and there'll be copies on it. But the most important thing about a lease, of course, is the fact that you've got to make sure you do things such as credit checks, background checks, make sure that they're employed, understand everything about this person that you're going to rent to. Again, George, if you're going to do this for your own house and you've got somebody like the bedroom next door to you, do they snore? You know, and you can't kick somebody out if you lease them a bedroom because they snore. So I'm going to caution you there. You know, there's got to be another way. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe take off to your parents every weekend and, and rent it out on Airbnb, right? You know, and get some money that way. But ultimately, in the end, folks, if you're going to try to figure out a solution on getting a decent tenant, tenants are so important. It's not even so much the, the, the unit itself. You can always hire contractors to replace windows and doors and fix furnaces and leaks, but a bad tenant will make your life a living hell. Somebody that doesn't pay, somebody that's hard on the property, they know the rules better than you. So always make sure in your lease, you cover everything. If they wreck something on the way out, make sure that you've signed the condition of it on the way in. So you know what? When when people say, I have a bad tenant, I always say, they're not a bad tenant until you let them into your property. And if you've let them in, does that make you a bad landlord? And I think it does. I think a lot of people have to realize that bad landlords actually can create bad tenants. They don't know enough. So what ends up happening is the tenants can turn around, push the limits, push the limits. And eventually, I've seen it time and time again, you know, investors lose the property because the tenant doesn't pay them forever. They can't afford to pay the mortgage and they lose the property. So this is one of the things that we have to focus on. So remember, your lease really sets the tone. How you are financially with your tenant sets the tone. And I'm sure there's some tenants out there that saying, hey, Todd, you know, you're, you're a hard ass about this. And I'll say, yes, I am. And the reason why is because when you invest in a property, you set the tone of the tenancy from day one. Do not allow somebody that you think has bad credit into your property. Do not allow yourself to be taken advantage of. If you set up a day for payment, that's when you get it. If they do not, what I want you to go is go to the website for the landlord tenant board. And what I want you to do is find out what an N4 is. That's the number one form for landlords when a tenant does not pay an N4. It means simply that you're giving them notice that unless they pay you within a 14 day period that you will be making application to the board to have them removed. 
Yes, you have to be that hard because at the end of the day, you can go months and months and months. And you know what, folks, during my seminar, I hear all sorts of horror stories and I hate hearing them. So what I need you to focus on always with a scenario like this is the lease out of the gate sets the tone for the tenancy. Do not ever lease under stress. Make sure you do your due diligence. Take a look at the credit rating. Make sure you're happy with them. If you need a cosigner, get a cosigner on it. No matter what, this is how you do it. So if you want to know more, though, and you uh, want to get some a better explanation, again, coming up on April the 27th, that's a Wednesday, 7 p.m., it's the Simple Seminar, and you can join me at the Mississauga Convention Center. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register today. Uh, seating's limited. We had a full house last month. Pretty sure we're going to do the same thing. And, um, George, I'd like to thank you for producing the show today. Awesome. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And uh, for all of us here at Simply Real Estate, thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you next Saturday at 4 p.m. So I will talk to you then. Have a great week. <laughs>